Summer's almost over, but at Old Navy, the styles are as hot as ever. Get to Old Navy now for 30% off all jeans, 40% off all dresses, and 50% off all tees. That's right, get 30, 40, and 50% off all your favorite styles for the whole family, plus up to 75% off clearance. Hurry in fast. These deals won't last. The sale ends soon at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid in-store 822 to 828 and online 822 to 824. Excludes in-store clearance, bubbles, active, licensed, and men's package tees. I know, you know, we know why. I know, you know, we know why. You feeling my baseline, feeling my, feeling my baseline. You feeling my baseline, you feeling, you feeling my baseline. Good morning or afternoon if you're on the east coast and welcome in to Sant live you're watching that being said with george and myself sammy georgeur this is sports on tap and this is episode 466 happy wednesday happy hump day and i'm your co-host sammy georgeur and i'm george georgeur and we're coming at you live and direct from the Sant live studios in sunny everett washington thank you for tuning in today whether it be on facebook twitter or youtube.com slash sports. This episode is brought to you by sonshop.com. The S-O-N-T shop.com to get your best merchandise. Not only do we have branded Sonk gear, but we have cool gear from around uh, all pro sports. You know, some fun t-shirts. So go check that out. And Sammy, can you tell the fine folks at home what this is? This is Sports Radio. Redefined. Welcome in. Uh, also, if you're listening on the podcast, you can always find us live on Facebook, Twitter, or YouTube at 10 a.m. Pacific time. Wednesday through Friday, and then after Sunday Night Football. Um, don't forget to check out the podcast. If you do miss us live at iTunes and SoundCloud, just type in Sports, S-O-N-T Sports. Uh, happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday to you, man. We got a lot of NFL stories, actually, uh, shockingly, for a for from middle of the week. Um, things from dramatic stories to... Uh, interesting stories, and we and we got some uh, college football we can talk about. We didn't talk about any of the college football games last week. Obviously, I think one that we both were the most interested in is the LSU Auburn game. Absolutely. One of the most interesting ones. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot to get into, but let's start off with the Patriots a little bit. Yeah, definitely. And you know, I just want to go on. You know, kind of what you said. There's been a lot of different interesting things, and you know. I feel like the NFL is almost getting like it's not ever you know the personalities are ever like the NBA, but it's, it feels that it's being NBA ish this week. You know what I mean? With storylines about players, not just storylines about games. Difference though, NBA storylines kind of that are fun or exciting or like mm-hmm. oh there could be a trade. NFL's most of their storylines has been a guy with drug problems that got cut and signed the Patriots. Don Brady. Problems with this coach, Antonio Brown wanting to be traded. He's mm-hmm. not showing up to practice. Uh, they're they have a right now. They're they're going through the lawsuits to sue the NFL, like the player union or whatever. Right? Jameis Winston is uh, alleged alleged uh, I guess victim assault assault Six. victim yeah. is suing Vic- him now. Oh, I think I think so. you're calling him the victim. No, no, the what? alleged <laughs> assault victim yeah. is suing him. So the NBA-esque story. Is, this is a lot more like on the dramatic side, though. A lot of more negativity than I'd say at least positive. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah definitely. The NBA is usually more fun and stuff. But I guess in trades like Josh Gordon, Antonio Brown, even Le'Veon Bell wanting out, not out of Pittsburgh, wanting a new contract and being on a jet ski and all this stuff, and you know, kind of throwing shade at the Steelers while on a jet ski. It's a little NBA-ish, but definitely the NBA is way more. Like, uh, it's not as a dark story as the NFL. I feel like the NFL stories are also a little more ominous. Yeah, and about Le'Veon Bell, actually, I think he's not throwing any shade. I think he's being, he looks like an idiot. I think he, he does look like an I idiot. mean, to be honest, he can, he actually, more importantly than the jet ski story, was what he did yesterday. I think it was his rap album debut party. What? He had a, his rap album coming out. So he had a rap album debut party. I think it was last night or the night before. Um, I can, I can double check that. I mean, uh, I'm not exactly sure the date it was. It was one day ago. He had a hosts a rap EP release party at Miami nightclub. It was 23 hours ago, so it was last night or not the night before, whatever it was. Um, to me, when you do these things, you're embarrassing yourself more than you are throwing shade at anybody because it's an embarrassment to you. You're not. You're losing like what was it, eight hundred thousand dollars a week? Yeah. Not showing up. Okay, cool. Go ride your jet ski. That's great. Guess what? You're still negative, probably eight hundred more than eight. Technically, with how much 
He's probably spending in his living expenses. He's losing probably a million bucks a week. And so he kind of looks dumb. And this is all because you signed a contract that you don't want to be part of. Right. So no, yeah, definitely. I find it hilarious. Yeah. He's, he's, he's kind of an idiot. And you go look at the NFL right now. Look at all these teams with their great running backs. Oh, the New York Giants. What have they really done? Now they drafted Saquon Barkley. Even the, the Cowboys who beat them. Okay, Zeke's been playing all right, but like, have they been the most fascinating team in the NFL? No, the only team that really has a, a running back that's been really fantastic and that have been actually good are the uh, Los Angeles Rams with Todd Gurley. And that's that a, also plays a big role that they also have like a super duper team. Exactly. And yeah. so, like, I think if they if you took out Todd Gurley from the Rams and threw in, I don't know, let's say the ninth best running back in the league. Whoever Put in like Tyreek Cohen or Jordan Howard from the Bears. From the Bears. Yeah, yeah they'd probably be still 2-0, and and they'd probably still be the NFC West Favorite. favorites. Yeah, but they, I guess, with, with Todd Gurley, they're like next level. But every other team around that, David Johnson's on the Cardinals. Well, guess what? You don't have a good quarterback <laughs> right now. You're not a good football team. So I feel like Le'Veon Bell is kind of in a, is embarrassing himself. Um, and you can say what you want about the Steelers. Well, they wouldn't be two and a, okay. Well, no, that's not necessarily true either. Because first of all, they ran into probably the hottest like story in football right now: the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick right. Mahomes and the Cleveland Browns. I think we can make a fair assessment now that they're not that bad after playing no. a game against the Steelers and the Saints, almost winning both. So it's not like the Steelers have had an epic collapse this first week. No, no, but I, I do think if Le'Veon Bell, the whole Le'Veon Bell, I guess we'll start with the Steelers and we'll move on to the Patriots since we're already on the topic. I think the Le'Veon Bell situation is kind of indicative of the whole entire situation with the Pittsburgh Steelers. If he was there, I'm not saying they'd be 2-0, but I know that franchise and that coaching staff kind of has all this chaos around them, and he's part of the chaos. So, yeah, he's kind of – not help the situation. Maybe they'd have a win. Maybe they'd be two and zero. Maybe they'd be one and one instead of being what is it now? Oh, one and one. <laughs> oh, one and one with oh, one, one, yeah. I, I don't know, but I do know that part of the issue with the Steelers is this coaching staff and the chaos. And Le'Veon Bell is just part of that chaos. Antonio Brown the next day, you know, didn't show up to practice. The trade me tweet. Could you imagine any Patriot player? Going on Twitter and saying, "Oh, if you don't like it, trade." Like no one would do it. They'd be scared shitless. Or you'd actually be. Oh, you probably before get traded. the next day you show up to to the facility. Yeah, you didn't even show up the next day too. That's the worst part. I know you showed up today, but he's like, "Trade me." Oh, I'm not showing up. Like I, there was a, one anonymous source of another AFC head coach that came out and said that Mike Tomlin has lost all control over that locker room, and I and you know what? I believe it. I would say it's a little dramatic if it's another AFC coach. First of all, you've no right to speak on another man's locker room because you've probably never for one second even been inside. So, I mean, who knows if they lost lost control or not. If they go in too straight, we're going to all say that's kind of a BS story. To to lose all control of a locker room would be a remarkably hard thing to do. He's lost a little bit of control, but that kind of, I feel like outside of Bill Belichick, every single coach is that, that every single coach that's, like a coach of a team for six, seven years, mm-hmm. starts to lose some control. I mean, everybody's talking about Pete Carroll losing his magic, right? Everyone's been calling for Marvin Lewis's job for the last seven years, <laughs> yeah. uh, whatever. Ever since, I still remember when uh, Marvin Lewis was on Hard Knocks when those Cincinnati Bengals, however many years ago, and it was like, oh yeah, you know. I remember watching that hard. I was like, yeah, if they don't win a playoff game this year, he might lose his job. And that was like, what? That was like last decade, maybe. Yeah, like seven years ago. <laughs> was, like half his tenureship. Yeah. He's exactly. doubled it since. And then you got guys, you know, I, I just feel, I feel like he, he probably hasn't lost the entire locker room. I just feel like there is some tension that happens when you've been there for a long time. But to say he's lost the entire locker room, I think is first of all it's probably just another afc coach that doesn't like the steelers fair enough number one we don't see inside the locker room neither did he and they're probably going to be fine this year and that kind of narrative is going to wash away a little bit i just think it's really hard to be this the coach for a while literally today i mean this is going to be what we're going to talk about too is tom brady uh it turns out that somebody's book, whose book was it? I uh, you know, Connor's book, yeah. I believe. Someone's book. Uh, Brady considered divorce from Belichick because you couldn't handle his ways anymore, right? Mm-hmm. Are you going to tell me that that means Belichick lost control? No. I just think it's just like he, he said it himself. It's like any marriage. Once you're with somebody for long enough, 
things start to break down. You got to remember, Mike Tomlin's been with the same quarterback, a lot of the same players since he walked in, was seven years ago, eight years ago. So it's going to be something that creates tension over time. I just feel like with how empowered coaches are and how empowered players are and want to be even more empowered, that no matter what, when you're there long enough, there's going to be tension, especially with top players like Antonio Brown. If Tom Brady can feud with uh, Bill Belichick, mm-hmm. I feel like anyone can feud with Mike Tomlin, right? Yeah, but I think you're – I mean, one of a, when I say lost control, yeah, he's lost control. I, I, I mean, I, that's how I – the way I look at it is, yes, you do see tension sometimes in the Patriots. You see tension, right? But you don't really see this whole thing like for Le'Veon Bell's holdout. He's not there. You see um, Antonio Brown this week not show up to a practice. Imagine if a player on the Patriots didn't like something that Belichick did and just didn't show up for practice. That's part of losing control. Now, is it complete control? I, I think that's always an overstatement, like you said. Like, you know, of course someone's going to, you know, say the most hyperbolic thing possible. But even even with Ben Roethlisberger last year talking about the play against the uh, Patriots, oh, uh, he wanted to spike the ball. I threw the ball. Uh, I didn't like, he didn't like Todd Haley. He, Todd Haley goes out. Antonio Brown is seen fighting on the sidelines with the offensive coordinator this week and then doesn't show up to, like, there's just all these little things, but I'm with you. Like, when he's, Obviously. Well, I'm just based off. You said somebody said he's lost complete control, and I agree. And so I was rebutting that statement. So now yeah. you're backtracking a little bit, but yeah, but you know, no, I'm just saying. When, just let me finish that point. When someone, I'm saying someone loses complete control, I always keep in mind that if this is another AFC coach, like you said, they're probably going to say the most far right thing possible. And I and yeah, I think he's lost control. Complete control is a whole nother. The reason I'm yeah. going to say no still is because he's the head coach still, and they're a team that's going to probably, compared to any teams that have no losses from now, probably the best chance to make the playoffs out of teams with no losses. I don't think he has the most stable organization. Mm-hmm. But you know how many people in the NFL probably have a perfectly stable organization outside of the Patriots? I mean, the Pittsburgh Steelers have been the model consistency of stabilization ever for the last 30 years. Yeah, that, I didn't Mike ask that T- question. Until so Mike saying, Tomlin got here. Who in the NFL has a stable organization right now? Fully, full-on, as stable coaches in lock, for sure, no matter what. Who has the perfectly stable organization? It's probably, like, maybe the Chiefs are pretty damn stable with Andy Reid. Um I mean, the Packers, we've, ta- we've heard Andrew, uh, Aaron Rodgers not like things Mike McCarthy's done, right? Same right. just like Big Ben didn't like things that Mike Tomlin's doing. Uh, the Seahawks aren't in locks anymore. It sounds like people mm-hmm. are losing the Pete Carroll magic, and he's talking about Russell Wilson. I mean, outside of the Patriots still, it, every franchise has some of these problems, and I don't care who was the model 30 years ago. I'm talking about, we're talking about today. And so today outside of the Patriots who are also having some of these problems. Brady literally saying, I consider divorce. That's the same exact problems that we're talking about with Big Ben with Todd Haley and Mike Tomlin and disagreeing and not being able to handle their ways anymore. So every single team in the NFL has that. And that's what brings me back to nobody's lost complete control of their team ever in the NFL. I mean, like you're always going to have some guys that completely have your back, but nobody's ever going to also have complete control you know like bill belichick obviously if tom brady is thinking about was thinking about divorce he obviously doesn't have complete 100 percent attention from tom brady anymore either yeah uh i guess we'll let's get to that story uh, i guess we're, we're now we're disagreeing on a uh, degree of control on the situation in pittsburgh versus the word control so how about in new england what what the I mean, do you take anything out of this story, or do you think there's just more noise that was from last year that we, I mean, we heard this noise last year too, and then they went to the Super Bowl, right? I mean, what do you think? Because you've been the pillar of this doesn't matter since last year. Yeah, and it's I feel like it's proven to not matter again. I mean, it, here's the thing: it doesn't matter because he, if you read the quotes carefully. Mm-hmm. It said it's just like any marriage where after a while some tension builds up and then you work things out. And I was like thinking about it. You could consider that in friendships. There's always sometimes after a long time of friendship, somebody says something that bothers you a little mm-hmm. bit all the time. You've been friends for 15 years. You're like, you really need to stop that. That happens with brothers. We're brothers. Sometimes things build up and then you're like, all right, like somebody needed to say something. It happens with your family. It happens at work. All, I mean, I mean, I've worked with other people before that I couldn't handle, and eventually a little blow up would happen, and then you have to be like, okay, 
we're cool. Like that was just, I needed to say what I needed to say. So I feel like this continues to prove that it doesn't matter much. It shows that never, ever, ever is anything perfect in any of these worlds. But did we expect everything to be perfect? It's kind of one of the questions I had too. Do we expect that like, no matter what, every day, everybody was like perfect in the New England organization. That's where I don't know. Like, is this come to a shock because people think it was like, hundred percent like best friends buddy buddy or otherwise isn't this kind of what happens a lot of the time in the nfl where players are like i don't like this coach anymore or for his situation 18 years right was it 18 or was it now right it's been it's been a long time 2000 and maybe 2000 or 2001 let's say 18 years that's somewhere around there yeah Yeah. a long time (laughs) look the thing is I think they both need to understand Brady and Belichick, and I think they're both doing a horrible job of understanding that they need each other. Belichick, without Brady, got fired in Cleveland. He was about to miss the the playoffs his first year in New England. He was about to miss it for the second year in a row. Brady came in and saved the day. Tom Brady also. I, I think Tom Brady would have been a Super Bowl winning quarterback in his career. Without Belichick, maybe one. You never know. I mean, Aaron Rodgers only has one. Yeah, I'm saying, yeah <laughs> maybe. I, I believe he would be. There's no way to prove yes or no. I believe he'd be a Super Bowl winning quarterback in his career. However, he needs Belichick has made him the greatest quarterback of all time and having five Super Bowls. So, and just as Brady, Belichick has made Brady the greatest of all time, I feel like Brady's also elevated the status of Bill Belichick into the greatest head coach of all time. So I feel like the problem with both of them, I mean, you saw there was an anonymous quote in there from someone inside the organization that said the coaching staff believes that, yeah, Tom Brady's great, but we couldn't do this with any of the top 15 quarterbacks in the NFL. That's disrespectful to Brady. And Brady probably in his head is like, I can go anywhere and win. You probably can't go anywhere and win. Like you guys need each other. So, like, I mean, from watching like Jimmy Garoppolo, for example, these right, last couple right. weeks, right? Jimmy Garoppolo is great. Don't get me wrong. I think he's gonna be a top ten quarterback for maybe the next ten years, right? Right. There's definitely a little drop off from Garoppolo to Brady. I mean, oh, like, yeah, from Brady yeah, Garoppolo. Like, yes. I don't think if that was Garoppolo was the quarterback of New England the last. 20 whatever 15 years i don't know if i can tell you they were going to win five super bowls and go to seven or eight right, right. i don't know if that's a, a given like, uh, like the coaching staff says um my thing though is it it still if you still look at it this is kind of they do need each other right right i get that but that still doesn't make this for me that big of a story because at the end of the day, once again, they are together. They're working it out, and he's probably going to retire as a New England Patriot. And this is just kind of part of the friction and the process. And yeah, you're right; they do need each other. And I'm going to use a, a like a Colin Cowherd like old man example. It's like a marriage, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to strive to be the best husband ever mm-hmm. one day, right? When I'm married, but who's going to play a big role in like making sure I become the best man that I can be is probably the, the person I end up yeah, yeah. marrying. Right. Yeah, and absolutely. so, yeah, if I married the wrong person, it's kind of like this. If Bill check ended up with the wrong quarterback, which he had in the past, right. Mm-hmm. Um, he might get fired, but when they matched a really good match, there's always going to be that ups and downs, but they brought out the absolute best in each other. And I just think that when you do do that, when you have that level of success, uh, I don't understand in any way, shape, or form, how it could be perfect for 18 years. And I understand the friction. And I understand the coaching staff saying, we could do this with anyone because they feel downgraded and Brady feels, feels downgraded. Down. Exactly. So, and when really in reality, like... It's probably right in the even yeah. side, right? Yeah, I mean, like, look at like the whole Jordan and Phil Jackson uh, dynamic to go to basketball real quick. I don't know what happened behind the scenes, and I don't know what would have happened during the social media world. But you never, heard, you only heard praise from both of them about how much you know they needed each other to be good. Now, uh, Pat Riley, Magic Johnson, same thing. Um, LeBron hasn't unfortunately had a coach to where he has had the best coach in the world at the time. Like not even close. Yes, <laughs> to, uh, <laughs> to go ahead to tie, tie tie his name to. But uh, Kobe and Phil Jackson, we saw Phil Jackson leave Kobe. And Kobe missed the playoffs. Well, but we also saw Phil Jackson now in this new era where everyone speaks out. Phil Jackson said Kobe selfish and all these other things. Right. So, like you said, though, all those in those older eras where nobody was 
Like in the middle of Phil's career, he wasn't going to release a book, and there was no social media. And even and if there was a book, let's just let's just for fun argument's sakes today, say the Belichick and Brady were. This was 1978. This book would probably come out. There'd be a book. There was barely any talk radio at that time. There'd be about like one or two newspaper articles. There'd be about one it. or two newspaper articles about it. Oh wow, this happened. All right, move on, play football. And you know what? Maybe twenty years down the line, someone would read that book. Like, oh, they had a little tension. But now everything is just amp, like amplified. Yeah, I mean that, and that's why. I mean, I'm gonna go back to my main like statement is. I don't think it makes it make that big of a deal because, like you said, it is amplified. And it's it's not a – here's the thing. If I told you the Patriots are going to win the Super Bowl this year, would you be shocked? No. And that's where I know it's not that bad. Honestly, if I told you that the Steelers are going to win the Super Bowl, you would be a little more I'd be a little more shocked. Because yeah. of their – they might have more talent than the, than the uh, Patriots, but you'd be a little – Confused just on the sense that I don't know if they can be stable enough to win throughout the playoffs, make the right play calls, not do something stupid, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So that's where I find it to be not that big of a deal with the Patriots because what's this going to change really for their performance? It's probably nothing. Probably, probably, absolutely nothing in my opinion. But I mean, it, it might because when these things happen, snowball effects can happen. That's the only thing that would worry me. Is this is a little earlier in the season than last year, right before the playoffs? If they went on a three-game losing streak, maybe this would affect them. But do I? I don't expect them to go on a three-game losing streak. Yeah, and even if it did, I don't know if it affected them that much because at the end of the day, I think Brady's an ultimate competitor, mm-hmm. and so is Belichick. So if they went on, oh, if they went on a three-game losing streak, I feel like they'd probably just have to sit down and figure out how the fuck we're going to turn this around more than it causing like a I'm not going to talk to you situation. Right. So I just feel like at the end of the day, this is fine. It might end up being an ugly breakup, but while it's going on, I don't understand where it could go that bad. It's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, we'll see how the rest of the season unfolds. But I, I, That's I, what I, we said last year. Yeah, but <laughs> I, I feel like it unfolds. But I, I, I'm more on your side where this isn't really that big of a deal. But I also believe there is friction, obviously. There's friction with every single quarterback and coach in the NFL of some sort, whether one of them feels it and the other doesn't, mm-hmm. or if neither one has spoken about it or talked about it. There is some type of friction I'm sure Russell Wilson doesn't like Pete Carroll saying you're overtrying. I'm sure that there has been some type of friction between even John Gruden and Carr in the first three weeks. Because well, that's I'm sure what there's friction there. I mean, we got Carr who's like, you know, that very – won't even swear. You got Gruden who swear supposedly super intense. I bet Does Derek Carr not swear? Oh, no, Derek Carr is like the most like – Suppose like a born again Christian that doesn't swear. I know that, but does like, not swear. Yeah, like I, that's what I heard. He like gets offended when people swear around him. Interesting. Yeah. Um, let's get to a couple comments. All right. Keith Overton says Fitz magic, and then Joel also said, "I don't know how you could give Winston the gig after what Fitz has done." Um, here's the thing with that. Uh, I, I mean, I still believe that. First of all, I think Winston's a better quarterback than Fitzpatrick. We've seen Fitzpatrick do this multiple times where he's done really well at the beginning of the season, never to this level. But here's the issue. The lawsuit that came out on Jameis Winston yesterday is absolutely, I think, damning to Jameis Winston. And I think they could result into a longer suspension down the line if things come out to the public a lot. So I don't believe the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to go back to Jameis Winston right now because, you know what, it's not a good look for the organization. Fair. That's that's how I feel now. I'm a little confused. So you just defended that Jameis is gonna have his job, but then kind of said no. No, no. I <laughs> I think Jameis is a better quarterback than Ryan Fitzpatrick, and I think in the long term he'll give him a better opportunity to win. However, with the new lawsuit and more light coming out on this situation, and the way Fitzpatrick's playing, I don't think they have a choice but to stay with Fitzpatrick. And I think it has nothing to do with the lawsuit. I think it doesn't help, but I think pre-lawsuit. Fitzpatrick was a starter week four. And I mean, you even hear his own players, Deshaun Jackson, the wide receiver. He said, I love Jameis. He's like, but this is, he said, you can't give away, take away the hot hand. And here's right. the thing. It really, I mean, we've seen this happen. You, he's not going to lose his job unless he has a stretch of like two in a row bad games. Mm-hmm. And so this is Fitz's job right now. This is like Fitz's job to lose more than it's uh, Jameis is to like take from him. I mean, it's it's just... 
I think it's the reality. Their own teammates are saying it. Uh, you, you can't go 2-0 and when everybody expected you to go 0-2. And then with what he did. I mean, like, we're not talking about a game manager. Like, he somehow, what was he first week? Like, 500 yards, 5 yeah. touchdowns? Well, where, where, where do you draw the line, I guess? Like, let's just say, and uh, uh, James Wins is not on uh, Russell Wilson's level. But let's say the backup for the Seahawks came in and threw for 500 yards, two straight games, and 10 touchdowns, or nine touchdowns, I think it was what Fitzpatrick has, uh, and, and Wilson was injured. Does Wilson get his job back week three? Russell Wilson? Yeah, I say they're yeah. not at the same level. So, yeah, Jameis Winston's like the 15th best quarterback in the NFL. I know, but where do you draw the line, Ben? Like, who, you draw the line if you're like Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Russell Wilson, uh, Matt Ryan. Mm-hmm. Um, Carson Wentz, I Carson guess. Wentz, like which we're seeing. It's like yeah. okay, it's your job. Um, anyone in the, about the top eight, Ben Roethlisberger is not going to lose it to his backup right. unless like. Well, maybe now because he's older. Yeah, and then it'd be like trade me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, I'm just wondering. But where like you draw Ryan the line. Tannehill, right? Yeah. Ryan Tannehill is a great comp- comparison to Jameis Winston. If Ryan Tannehill's backup had three straight wins, right? I think this happened with him. When Matt Moore was playing really hot, he yeah. kept his job until Matt Moore started playing bad, and then they gave it back to Ryan I don't Tannehill. remember. I think Ryan Tannehill was hurt. Yeah. Towards and ACI. Then Matt, and, no, no, because it was before the ACI. I'm pretty sure that Matt Moore had like a four-game stretch, then a two-bad game stretch, and then Tannehill came back. I'm not, I'm not sure. I, I can't speak to that. But Ryan sure. Tannehill would be a great example. If Jay Cutler yesterday, last year, lit up the world, Jay Cutler might have been the quarterback again this year for the Dolphins. Okay, that's fair enough. I was just wondering where the line is drawn. Look, once you're shitty, then it'll probably be flipped over. <laughs> but if you're a top eight quarterback, you're going to get your job. All right. Um... Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to go back down to earth and it's going to happen. Everyone knows And that. everyone knows that. So, I, you know, another thing that Buccaneers might do, I, I, maybe Jameis gets his job back week five, maybe six. Just, just go. Or he doesn't this year. I mean, Nick Foles is a great example, yeah. right? Nick Foles has had the same trajectory of I have great six-month stretches as Fitzpatrick. Yeah. But Nick Foles has had full seasons where he – Stuck it out where he threw 27 touchdowns, two picks with the Eagles. And then he had last year where I know obviously Wentz wasn't healthy, but he led them to a Super Bowl win. True. As long as there's not a collapse, I feel like that's where Ryan Fitzpatrick stays as the quarterback. I think it's going to have to take like really bad two weeks in a row because you just don't change that in the middle of the season, especially when they start 2-0 the way they have. I mean... I was listening to Sean Jackson. He was on like every single TV show yesterday somehow. Um, but he was saying, he said, everyone gave us a 0% chance of starting off 2-0. and And we're here. And that's because yeah. of Fitz. And so, I mean, Deshaun Watson's leading the league in yards. Deshaun what? Deshaun Jackson. What did I say? Deshaun, Deshaun Watson. Watson, yeah. Deshaun that's Jackson. A, by the way, that's a very easy mistake. Yeah, I mean, there's probably two Deshauns in the NBA, NFL. No, no, there's definitely more than that. You think there's more than two? By far. <laughs> Not stereotyping, but there's definitely more than two Deshauns. I could probably think of one. Deshaun Kaiser. Oh, wow. Okay, there you go. There's more than two. You're right. Um, Sammy Michael said, Jordan, Sammy, do you think this would have happened if Bill Cower was still there? No. No, because he would have probably traded somebody that did Right. That. I mean, in all honesty, most coaches, this is where I get always stuck in between the whole you do want to be player friendly, but you also want to be businessman that people not are intimidated by. Not because I don't. I don't mean like straight intimidation. Yeah. I mean more like work intimidation. Like, like oh, I don't want to wrong you. you. A respect factor. A respect factor. Yeah, I'm not talking about straight imitation where I'm intimidation where like I'm trying to ruin your day. You can't come knock on my door. Right. Knock on my door any day of the week. That's perfect. But I'm not trying to overly attack. Have somebody feel overly attacked by just walking into my office? Hundred um, percent. Okay, there's some more stories today, George. Of All right. Um, uh, the FanDuel one—that's the one I wanted to tell you about. So, a f- FanDuel not honoring a bet that would have paid more than eighty-two thousand due to a line error. Ooh. Okay, this is interesting. For one New Jersey better, the Denver Broncos were a long shot, too good to be true. Right. Mm-hmm. So. They declined to honor a 110 bet on the Broncos Sunday. That would have paid more than $82,000 due to an error in the odds-making process. So after Case Keenum completed a pass down to the 
Oakland 18-yard line, putting the Broncos in comfortable field goal range. Mm -hmm. FanDuel attempted to update the live betting odds to reflect Denver as minus 600 favorites, right? Yeah, which, by the way, I did not even know you can bet on games on FanDuel. Neither did I. Shout out to FanDuel. Because they're in New Jersey. No, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I I have no idea. I didn't know you can bet on games, though. Yeah, I'm a little confused. I don't know. I don't know if you can. But um, he... They updated him to minus 600 was the goal, right? Because obviously they're on the 18-yard line. The field goal wins the game. However, the company, there was an error in the live odds feed that caused the Broncos to be posted as 750 to 1, plus 75,000 underdogs to win the game. And he bet it at that moment, that $110, mm-hmm. on that price. Well, I mean, the guy. To, to be fair to Fanduel, I mean, obviously, like that was an error. Like when you saw he, the guy saw that he wasn't like, oh, I'm making this bet. This would be a close one. He probably spotted an error and was trying to take advantage of an error. I, I believe they should give him something. Well, they're giving him five hundred dollars. All right, and give him tickets to three New York Giants games. All right, that's good enough. Prince declined to take their offer and told that he plans to hire an attorney. You know what? That, actually, good move by him. He's probably going to get like 40K out of it. Yeah, yeah. Hire an attorney. He's probably going to get... You're right. He's going to probably get like 40K out of it. It's going to get bad press for them, and he's going to get something out of it. Yeah. I, at the end of the day, if I bet that, I don't give a fuck if it was a glitch or not. I'm like, I just bet that. When I see I won $82,000, I'm not settling for 500 You know what would be the worst <laughs> if you did it in this state of Washington, which hasn't legally uh, made sports betting yet? So you bet, like, let's say on sportsbook.com and it happened and you wanted to hire an attorney. You can because you illegally made a bet. So That's you just fair. have to take any Or I would go fake that I live in California. i go to, like, a friend's house be like, let me sign something as his head. Right? Yeah. So just do something last yeah, week. Right before the game started. Yeah. No, or, like, a nah, week I ago. I moved. Like, I moved. I don't know. Just tell them. I live here. They like, go, oh, show me a bill. I moved here seven days ago. Seven days. Like, yeah. I haven't made a bill yet. Um there was another big story that I'm, I feel like I'm missing that we were going to talk about. Uh, Pete Carroll and the Seattle Seahawks. There it is. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, he's kind of been calling out Russell Wilson. Like, oh, he's over-trying. He needs to settle down a little I, bit. I know. You know, the, here's the thing, Sam, with this over-trying thing. I was watching the game, and I was like, man, if Russell would just try a little less, we would have could have won the game. What the hell is Pete Carroll's talking about over-trying? I, I understand sometimes people say, oh, you're overthinking. You're over uh, – you're trying to press too much. You could be over trying. If he was spinning around the way Russell Wilson spins around, it was perfect protection. He'd be trying to. Okay, that's like true. If he had a Dallas Cowboys O line perfectly in the pocket, and he spun out, did a step in, step back, tried to dive through the line. I'd say you're trying way fucking too hard to make this cool yeah. and and whatnot. Well, I, I wish the Seahawks would over try to get some offensive linemen right now for Russell Wilson. Yeah, here's the, I used that joke before the show, so you just did, took that from you? I sure did. I said, maybe if they over tried yeah, to but, get him some, some protection. Oh, I don't know. I am not stealing steal. my jokes for this. Not so, really trying to steal your jokes. I just, I don't really pay attention too much sometimes. That's not true. Because sometimes you don't like people don't pay attention to you, so you do pay attention. I know you. So, he over he says he's over trying, but this is stupid because he's the worst O line in the NFL, and your star quarterback, him or he, Deshaun Watson, I don't, they're both. Still, guess who deserves more right now in his career? Russell, Russell Wilson, a Super Bowl winning quarterback who pretty much changed the franchise of C- the Seattle Seahawks franchise and I mean, saved probably Pete Carroll's job. Yeah, because Matt Flynn probably wouldn't have saved Pete Carroll's no. job. It was Russell Wilson who was the sensation that has been in the playoffs every year until last year when it, since he's been the quarterback. Um, this is the first time since his rookie year they started off 0-2. I know. Like, I mean, this is – and this has nothing to do with Russell Wilson. And I know there's those, like, overreacting Seahawks fans, right? I'm in some Seahawks groups on Facebook, like, we paid Russ. Oh, he's not even good. Okay, no, he's obviously good. He's all, I mean, he's, I mean, he's easily look, a top ten quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, you, like you, you can make an argument if you don't like Russell Wilson that he's the ninth best quarterback in the NFL, and you can make an argument if you like Russell Wilson that he's the third best quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, I wouldn't. I, I fall more around the fifth or sixth personally, but you can go anywhere from three I to nine. Think he's anywhere from three to six in my yeah. eyes. It's yeah, like too. it depends on the year. Like, okay, Carson Wentz last year might have been close to being like, oh, if I do this for another couple of years, I'm better than the Russell Wilson. Yes. But like. 
you never know. Like Patrick Mahomes can come out of nowhere, right? But Jeez. Uh, we have Russell Wilson, who's this good, and you have a coach that's trying to blame it on him when this coach. And we've talked about this many times. Everywhere he's been over a long time, it's kind of slowly, slowly collapsed, yeah, slow, slowly disintegrated. Yeah, and they have a horrible offensive line. Can't protect for him. What do you expect Russell Wilson to do? If you watch that game, really, what else could he have done? Nothing. I mean, one throw. One throw. One throw could have. And you know what? That throw might have cost him the game. But still, at the end of the day, I'm not. This is not Russell Wilson's fault. This is the Seattle Seahawks' inability to get Russell Wilson protection fall. Yeah, and it's it's a frustrating thing, and I, uh, I, I, you know, I obviously had this like strong belief that the Seahawks would be so much better this year, mm-hmm. but the the reality of it was, you know, what I thought was going to be better about the Seahawks, their offensive their line. offensive line. I thought the signing of Dwayne Brown, maybe in having him um, with the team for a solid amount of time, and you know helping the other guys develop and DJ Fluke who hasn't played yet. I thought this old line would be a little better. And I think I think it's become slightly apparent mm. that if this old line was a middle of the pack O line, the Seahawks might be two and oh. Yes. But at the end of the day, what what makes us believe now I've been thinking about this a little bit. What makes us believe that DJ Fluker is gonna help? DJ Fluker was a disaster in New York last year. I don't think he's gonna help. <laughs> you know, I thought I, I used to think he's gonna help. I, I thought the collection of the yeah. O line could like make it better than last year, but when you see this O line, we're not we're not plopping in Zach Martin or not Zach Martin. Um, Zach Martin. Zach Martin. Yeah, sorry. For, uh, the guard for the Cowboys. And we're not we're not plopping in you know whatever. We're not plopping in another Dwayne Brown. No. We're plopping in. We're plopping in literally uh, DJ Fluker, who is kind of a failed big name. Mm-hmm. That we're giving a second chance to. He has the um, talent, but maybe not. Maybe he's not going to succeed. A hundred percent. Yeah, I I don't know what's going to happen with this um, with this team, but I you know I'm a little bit worried. Did you hear the story about Deshaun Watson, Sam? Is it the racism story? Yeah, uh, I didn't hear it, but I, I told you about it, right? So I don't know if too many people. That, I don't know if you did. I thought, Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. So. I think I told it to you yesterday. Texas superintendent ha- regrets yep, disparaging <laughs> Deshaun Watson on the basis of being a black quarterback. Um, a Texas, I'll read part of this. A Texas superintendent is claiming he regrets saying the Houston Texans Deshaun Watson about him. You can't count on a black quarterback. It was supposed to be a private message in a face in Facebook, but he accidentally posted it on his wall. Um, he said the superintendent of his school said I wish it never had been posted. Uh, he wrote that may have been the most inept quarterback decision I've seen in the NFL. When you need precision decision making, you can't count on a black quarterback. That is absolutely awful. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if he's been fired yet, but that's a fireable offense, right? It is a fireable offense, and I mean, it's like it's one of those things where it's like. Uh, it it goes back to like stereotyping pretty yeah. remarkably, and this obviously you know I'm open to saying this kind of stuff. We've obviously in the past had a better track record with white quarterbacks than black quarterbacks, but in recent time actually there's been a lot of actually great black quarterbacks in the NFL, mm-hmm. and I feel like that whole like you can't win with a black quarterback like they just run around like that stereotype has been gone for like. A solid ten years, now. right? I mean, we had the, <laughs> you know the NFL MVP was a black quarterback a few years ago. Russell Ken Wilson, whether you want to say half or who yeah, cares? And like, Russell Wilson's won a Super Bowl, and uh, Russell Wilson RG3 might be one. pre-injury was, was great. Yeah. Uh, I, I'd almost go out and say that Russell Wilson is one of the smartest quarterbacks in the NFL. So when you need decision making, I think. A, I, He's black. He can make decisions. Yep. So I don't know. I just feel like I don't know if this guy got fired, but it's just kind of crazy that people like still say this stuff and are okay with it. Like obviously he doesn't regret saying it. He just regrets that it got posted. Do you think the guy actually regrets what that if that message just went on privately and got to the guy that he wanted to get to? Do you think he would have sat there t- today like ah, I really regret sending that Facebook Unless message? Unless he genuinely meant it as a joke. And I yeah. know if some people are going to say you can't joke about that. Well, I mean, you you shouldn't, shouldn't but you, you can. can. Yeah, you you could be just saying it's a stereotype. It's like me saying, 
oh, we're like, I'm sitting with me and another Middle Eastern. I'm Middle Eastern too, but I was like, can't sit with Middle Eastern. He's gonna bomb the place. I'm obviously joking, joking yeah. But like, okay, it's maybe offensive, right? Right. But uh, he could have been joking. But here's the thing. He really, there's two sides. He could have either been joking and been like, fuck, I can't believe that went on my Facebook page. Yeah. Or he's actually really serious because there are still people that like, Think they have maybe money. I look at it sometimes as like, oh, he could have been joking because I actually don't think like that. So I assume that he's joking, but he could also be a guy that's genuinely racist and and or really thinks a black quarterback can't be a quarterback in the NFL. True. And it is a bad thing to say at the end of the day regardless. And uh Probably gonna get fired. I mean, I yeah, be shocked I, I don't know. Not. I haven't read more into it if he's fired or not. But I, I, I don't think he was joking when you say that. Have been the most inept. I don't know. When I'm joking, I don't use the word inept very often. But maybe he's a superintendent for his school. Maybe he just has good vocabulary. Yeah, or it'd be like if it was a joke, it'd be less of a serious comment. I know what you're saying. You know what I mean? It'd be like, less serious. Like it would have been like, oh, you can't count on a black quarterback. Ha ha. Like not just. Oh, that was so inept. Like I don't. Know. When you need precision, like those yeah, are, he took I mean, it a little too seriously. Yeah, the words were like way too serious to be just a joke. Exactly. Almost. And so it was pretty racist. Uh, and uh, the stereotype doesn't really work anymore. I mean, I, I, I if you no, said that twenty years ago. Okay, sure, you could say there hasn't been like a successful black quarterback. Right. You could try to defend your argument here, but that's not the truth anymore. And I mean. You have some of the top quarterbacks. Patrick Mahomes is on the come up. Yep. You have Russ Wilson. You have Cam Newton. You've had RG3. You have Deshaun Watson, of course. I know that's who we're talking about, but it is an example. And uh, I just think, you know, it's pretty crazy that uh, somebody at that level. Yeah, it's like superintended. But, it, but, then again, but then again, it is in Alaska, Texas. I don't know, 85 miles north of Houston. So I bet you it, it's a probably a small town. In, I mean, I don't know how big on Alaska is, but it must be, I, I, I couldn't find it. It's not a metropolitan city. Yeah. So that's probably the reason. Yeah, exactly. I do have something I want to tell you about that. I didn't talk to you about yesterday. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Um, I retweeted it on my Twitter uh, about the bears, the bears, players and ownership are committing more than $500,000 to local social justice programs, becoming the first team to maximize the NFL's new social justice initiative. The committee spearheading the cause sits down and discuss why it's important. And so I think this is really cool. The entire team pitched in the same amount to raise $250,000, and the team matched that to go to these social justice programs. And I was sitting there. I retweeted it right away because I was like, this is exactly, exactly the right way to do these things. They are sitting down as a panel talking about social justice and how things can get better and donating and it, so $250,000 as uh, a team. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just pause you for a second. Can you tell them where they can find that? It's on the on their team's official Twitter. Yeah, I mean it's on their website too. Or just type in uh, Bear Social Justice. I know. I just want to just reiterate that point. They probably have over millions of followers on that. I mean, the video got six hundred sixty-four thousand views. Okay, it has two thousand, almost three thousand retweets, eight thousand likes. Beautiful. I mean, literally, we're talking six hundred and sixty-four thousand views. And then the next video has more and more. Awesome. And we're talking about all these Blairs, Bears players. Pitched in together $250,000 while ownership matched $250,000 to go to social justice programs. They sat down for this 10-minute video discussing why it's important that we work on these social justice initiatives. And for me, there's two, two eye-opening things here, right? One, the unpopular opinion, and I, I've gotten arguments about this with everybody. I, oh, I'm no. still going to be the same about it. This is how you really make a difference, right? right? And I know... You could say, and I totally agree with this, Kaepernick's kneeling made the first uh, dent, Almost dent into... Let's talk about it yeah. kind of thing. And that's fine. Okay? We're good. And then this is how you really move forward. And as much as people... I understand Kaepernick's donated a lot of money. And I, I give him a pat on the back. Thank you. I appreciate it because it's good for our country. But at the same time, what I'd love from Kaepernick, instead of signing Nike deals where he's going to make $2 million, $3 million, $4 million a year mm -hmm. off his shoes, which is fine, but at the same time, give me some initiatives like this. Like, Why am I hearing from these Bears players who are committing their money mm -hmm. while they're still playing in the NFL more than I've heard from you? Yeah, is okay. where I have the biggest problem. Because do you want to know my real answer why? Because he doesn't know what he wants to say about well, it. Well, yeah, because I don't think, I mean, this is a very unpopular opinion to many people. I think Colin Kaepernick is not very smart. 
I don't think Colin Kaepernick, first of all, knew when he was kneeling this was going to make that big of an impact. I still believe till today that Colin Kaepernick, if he was a starting quarterback and didn't lose his job to Blaine Gabbard, would have taken a knee before that game. And I also believe that his publicists and his media staff, and you know he still has eight people representing them, don't want him to go out and speak in public about these things because he doesn't know how to articulate his points and what he's trying to fight. Now, what he did actually made an impact, and now you can leave it to people like the Chicago Bears to sit there and other players who can articulate the points and to make a difference. That's what I believe about Colin Kaepernick. Do I think he's a bad guy? No, absolutely not. Does he offend me? Absolutely 0%. Did he get something out of... Uh, now, if I was him, I'd even speak less because I think his aura of being almost mysterious now is actually helping him. Too. Yeah, he got him a Nike deal. Yeah. It got him... Millions of dollars, and uh, I got in these arguments with people this weekend about like, what do you mean he didn't sacrifice anything? And I said, listen, the commercial is awesome. Actually, I've watched the commercial multiple times because like, it's amazing. It's a great commercial because it talks about like if your dreams aren't big enough, that or if people don't think your dreams are crazy, they're not big enough. Yeah. And I literally live off of that like mantra. But you can't tell me that the man who lost his job to Blaine Gabbert, who would probably as an NFL starting quarterback make. A million dollars a year. He sacrificed. Well, he wouldn't be a start. He'd probably be a backup today. That's what I just said. I said uh, the guy who, who lost his job yeah. to Blaine Gabbard would make a salary. I didn't say. I didn't even say the word starting. A salary of a million dollars. I don't understand how he's sacrificing. Where now he's going to make probably two to five million dollars. They say, oh, he sacrificed his career. Well, now he actually has a longer career, more money options because mm. he's not getting hit playing football, making less money every year because he has less of a job every year. And so it's kind of an odd situation. Um, and I, I don't understand why it's so confusing to a lot of people. Um, but at the end of the day, he did start an initiative. And I never, I've never, and that's why when people think it's like, oh, you're just trying to hate. Like, no, I'm saying that he actually started a great movement. Like, I'm not saying bad about the movement. I'm just saying he it didn't actually, outside of kneeling the first time, he hasn't done much to make a different narrative yes and i i couldn't agree with you more on that um and can, can, can you ask, can I ask you a question this is going to be off topic why is joel clatt every single week's almost upset as alert alert is a team playing washington uh probably doesn't like washington yeah it's kind of frustrating because washington's also won every game by like minimal margins against they covered the spread by eight points last week i don't care if it was by eight points but it was a Close game. Okay. Yeah, I mean, when you cover the spread by eight points, that's if they over. It doesn't matter. You're yeah. like a, you're kind of biased. Yeah, <laughs> I know, but I'm just saying it, it easily covered the spread. So, yeah, what you were saying about Colin Kaepernick is, in my opinion, absolutely right, and I believe that, you know, he did the some things that have changed the way we look at many things. And I believe now we can take the next steps like the Chicago Bears did. And I'm sure other teams will follow suit when they see, you know, how much good press the Chicago Bears got and how much difference it actually will end up making. Because the pro one, only one problem with like the social justice fighting is really there is no end to social justice fighting. Because no matter what happens in the next 15, 20 30 years, you're still going to have bad apples who make bad decisions. But hopefully we can reduce those bad apples and bad decisions. Yeah, uh, and it's it's all about, like I said, my final statement about Colin Kaepernick is just that he made a great impact of notice, but I would love to just, like, if he was, like you said, if he's smart enough to sit down and, like, do what the Bears are doing here, mm -hmm. talk to me. Tell me what, you, like, you don't want half of America, you have half America likes you, half America hates you. Sit down and tell us why. We yeah, I like know. You. Well, I think if he sits down and talks, maybe all of America will hate him. That's not true. No, I, no, I'm people you, that people that believe he's sacrificing, for example, already right, right now, would already still, no matter what he said, to be like, "Oh my God, so powerful." That's true. the difference. Like, I mean, especially put some ominous like, music. Behind think it. about this. You think about presidential stuff, whatever. Like, just like Bernie Sanders, right? Could go say whatever he wanted and just be like, "We got this for the youth," and people would get hyped, even if it makes no sense. Yeah, well, because half of people don't listen to any of a message anyway. That's the point. Yeah, so you're they're right. already behind him, where it's like, that's it, they're right. behind him. But uh, it, it is interesting. Um, want to talk about? Let's talk about uh, some of those games from last weekend from college football. Yeah, we never yeah, talked about. Um, I guess I, I'm, 
I actually gonna, I had an idea for college football. I'm just going to tell you my biggest takeaway of college football last week. And I have two of them. One is uh, we're all playing for second place. Yeah, Alabama's the best. Might be the best team of all time. College uh, football. I was hearing about this. Yeah, and I, I, I... Go ahead. They might be the best football team of all time. And I could not under any circumstance right now. They might, It might be hyperbolic now. I could not argue against that right now. The, it, I think <laughs> I, was, I was listening. I, what was it? I don't remember. But they beat Louisville 51 to 14. And Louisville has lost to no other teams this right. year. Arkansas State 57 to 7, whatever, yeah, whatever. But they've lost to nobody else. And they beat Ole Miss 62 to 7. Ole Miss is 2 and 1. Only loss is to Alabama. Mm-hmm. Whether or not. Here's a big one this weekend against number 22, uh, Texas A&M. If they blow them out 50 to 7, also, yeah. it's maybe the best team of all time because Nick Saban's never had a guy like Tua. Tua literally played, what, a quarter? He went 11 for 15, 191, and two touchdowns. Their one touchdown, Old Miss, mm-hmm. their seven points, was on the opening kickoff, kick return touchdown. And then at the end and, of and, half, and my plus 21 looked really good at that point. Looked great, but then it was 28 <laughs> to 7 at the end of the first, and then it was 49 to 7 at half. Yeah, I, I'm, uh, I'm going to try to find you this stat real quick. For some reason, my Google's not working. I, my Google. Doesn't that sound like the one of the oldest things you could ever say? My Google. My Google not working, man. Um, or it might be my whole entire internet's not working. I can't really tell you. But if you can look up, just try to Google Tua on third down this year to see if any of those stats come up. I believe I saw a stat that Tua on third down this year, and it's through Alabama football's Twitter. Yeah, it's something ridiculous. He's 12 for 12 for like 240 yards and three touchdowns on third down this year. Yeah, I, I heard about this too. It was It's pretty remarkable, but at the same time, I feel like he's like this. That's, it's remarkable, but it's also like if you just look at – Everything else about his game, too, it's just as remarkable. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, he uh, has to be the favorite in Vegas to win the Heisman Trophy now. I think I saw that. He's. Uh, go ahead. Well, this was two weeks ago, actually. That was two this weeks was, ago. Two weeks ago, he was 10 for 10, 207, four touchdowns, and a 405 quarterback. Okay, that's right. And then this week, he had two touchdowns on third downs. He had six touchdowns. Yeah, but he's not 100% anymore, I think. No, he's still 100%, but um, according to what I I don't I think remember. he is. No, maybe, he's not. All right, maybe not. He's 14 for 15. 14 for 15? Yeah. Okay, still remarkable. So yeah, I don't have the full stats. He's 14 for 15, like 500 yards now and like six touchdowns, like a 500 pass rating. Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. Um, they're all playing for second place. And maybe the second place team, this is my second thing I'm taking away, is LSU. L- I was so wrong on LSU this year, Sam. Yeah, I mean... I, I was not. I'm not trying to say I was on LSU or anything. But you were, though. You thought they were going to one. Of, they're going to be one of the better teams in the SEC. I just think we're over exaggerating. Like Oregon's not good at coaching, and I was like, oh, well, why? Like, when, when? What has he shown you? He's had other places where he has been great, but like so far at LSU, what has he done that's actually not, has not been good? Right, maybe he's just a late bloomer. Maybe now he's a good coach because he got fired at Mississippi State or Old Miss. Okay, but he was he the coach fired. at LSU last year too. Yeah, and he wasn't bad. And that's where I don't understand where people are like, wh- what about last year was so disastrous as it was his first year last year, right? I believe And he, they so. still ended in the top 25. Yeah. Like what other coach, I mean, it's not that easy to just end, be a top 20 or 30 team in, in college football in your first year of coaching. Right. I mean, he's, he's 18 and six now at LSU, which is, I mean, not amazing for LSU. The reason people don't like Ed Orgeron, Sammy, just in general is but I guess is actually if you want to go look back at it, is a bad idea not to criticize. You want to know why? What when he was an interim coach, he was like two and six. Something two, like, right? No, no, no. Two thousand five at Old Miss, he was three and eight. Two thousand six at Old Miss, he was four and eight. Two thousand seven at Old Miss, he was three and nine. Got fired. He took over as interim coach at USC in two thousand thirteen. Went six and two. Didn't get renewed the job. He took over as intern coach at LSU 2016, went six and two, got the job, went nine and four last year, and it's three and zero this year. Other than his old miss years, he's actually been really good. That's what I was saying. I said other than the two and whatever. I, that's that's why I'm saying he's never done anything that he's not good. I, I I don't care about who talks about Bill Belichick 20 years ago. No one. No, but I yeah the people when he first got that. Yeah, but he didn't just first get this job. This is why I've not been understanding the Orgeron's 
not good. Every, like you just said, no, not when he first got. The, okay, well, he's had like pretty much like three and a half to four years of uh, straight evidence now, right? Right. From the USC job. Three. Like, let's say three years. Like three and a half, technically. I mean, right? there's what? How many games a year? Actually, it's been like a to- how many? What was USC? Eight Six, games. Eight games. Eight, eight games. Eight games 16. Sixteen. So it's been like three and thirteen. 10. 29, 32 oh, games. This would, so be three like, this, is this, th- this would be his third and a half. Yeah, third and a half. What has he done that in those three and a half years that shows he's not a good coach? Nothing. And you, number one, I don't care. I've never met him. Neither of you. Neither has anybody. But I love him. I, he's his the voice. kind of guy that I could definitely go to and be like, I can. I want you to be like a mentor of my life. Right. Just because of his voice and his like manliness. He's a man. And, and, and all that. So I'm not saying I've been on LSU. I've just been kind of saying they're going to win. I said they're going to beat Miami. And I said they're going to beat beat Auburn just yeah. because everybody was against them. I was like, dude, the guy's obviously fine. Right. And I felt like it's been this huge exaggeration that he's not fine. And I just kind of wanted to go against that trend because he just seems like that guy that I could, especially for college. I don't think he'd be good. I think he reminds me kind of a Pete Carroll maybe for co- or uh, for NFL. Maybe he'd be a little too rah-rah like um, Ed Orgeron. Like over time, it would break down. But for college, when you're recycling through players, yeah. I feel like he's a great role model, mentor type of guy, just by the way he looks and talks and sounds. And 100%. I, I've been on them. And, yeah. and they're, they're going to continue to win games here. They're going to beat – they'll beat Louisiana Tech this week. We can go 4-0. They should beat Mrs. Old Miss at home and go 5-0. They're better than Florida. They should go 6-0. But then listen to this stretch. But luckily for them – the, every one of these games is at home, Sammy. After the Florida game, they play. They host number two Georgia. They host number fourteen Mississippi State, and they host uh, number one Alabama. Three straight games, but all at home. So they can win two out of three since they're at home. Yeah, they, they could, or they could lose two out of three. And even if they lost two out of three, still doing a great job. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, okay, I have like two more games. I want to. I personally, you said those are the, the two, two you games wanted? I wanted to just, to just you know point. Yeah, out. and uh, Auburn's good. And, but I just think LSU's maybe better. better. Yeah. Or it's one of those, any other, any given week, it could have been a different game. It's a one-point game. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean. So uh, this is where, this is the SEC. I mean, it's, there's going to be four or five teams that are this good. And you know what? I just said Alabama might be the best team ever, but they might also be able to, the best team ever loses sometimes too. True. So it's a tough division. Um, I wanted to talk about the Wisconsin BYU. BYU is the most interesting team ever because mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure. They, Who did they beat week one? That was a good win. They um, beat Arizona. They beat Arizona, right? By five. And Arizona was supposed to be good, but they've turned out to be shitty, kind of. Yep. And then they lost to Cal. So you're like, okay, they're actually, maybe they're not good. Yeah. And then they go ahead and beat Wisconsin at Wisconsin. Yeah. Hopefully they continue this little back and forth between they're good, they're well, not. You like, hope not, actually, because next week is would be their loss and the week after. No, 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 because you're going to be McKinnis State or whatever it's called. But I'm talking about their next big game, which is Washington. Hopefully that's when they come that down. You know they'll beat whatever MCNS, Rokesby, McNeese. The McNeese I don't know. Cal's, Cal's never very good either, right? No, Cal's not too bad, actually, because they have a good head, new head coach in Justin Wilcox. Undefeated, actually. Yeah. Idaho State, UNC, and BYU. Yeah, so hopefully against one. But yeah, well, go ahead. What do you guys say about that game? No, I just said they're the most interesting team. Oh, because yeah, they are. They are. BYU and everyone's like, they're going to be bad. I literally, another team I was on, but only because I was like, it's BYU. They're usually kind of good. And I have no idea why I said that, but I just what I said. I did not predict them to beat uh, Wisconsin, though. No. no, I know. It's not a, that's not what I was but trying to say. Great win. Great win. Uh, it's phenomenal. And Wisconsin, they're, they're out. They're out, yeah. Like, at least for University of Washington, they were a top five team that lost, but they lost to Auburn. Yeah. Wisconsin's out. Yeah, and BYU's now ranked 25th. That's a, f- a huge drop. BYU is now ranked 25th. Oh, oh, I thought you were saying Wisconsin. So. No, no, Wisconsin's yeah, now 18th. 18th? Not bad. Yeah. It's pretty, I mean, you can see the difference between UW going from what? UW is like 6 to 9, yeah. losing to Auburn, and Wisconsin went from 6 to 18. 18. You can see it's a, obviously a bigger deal. Uh, there were two two more games. Well, not two more games. One game I wanted to mention. I know which one it is. Um, and one team I wanted to talk about. Team I wanted to talk about is Oregon because they're back. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I know they only won by thirteen, but they're they're twentieth in the nation. They're higher now, right? Probably than twenty. Uh, they're twentieth in the nation. Yep. Yeah. Okay, and they're three and zero. I was actually listening to Colin Coward's show yesterday, saying mm-hmm. Justin Herbert is according to the yeah. NFL scouts the number one pick. Yeah, he, him either him or Drew Locke from Missouri are the top two quarterbacks. For sure, going to the NFL. Uh, what Colin Coward was saying is whoever trades up for the first pick is trading for Justin Herbert. He said 
a couple NFL and college guys told him that's like the undisputed first yeah. pick right now. And so I, first of all, didn't see that coming this year. I knew that they're going to be probably a better team long term, but then new coach this year, right? Cause Willie Taggart yeah, left. Yeah, Mario Cristobal. And, and I just feel like. I wasn't sure if Oregon was ever going to be back back. Well, we'll find out how back back they are, I guess, this Saturday, right? I don't, I don't check college football schedules. Oh, I don't know Stanford. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Know that. I'm not that into checking college football schedules. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, they play Stanford this Saturday. Yeah, they'll probably lose. It's I at mean, home. Yeah, but I, Stanford's, I think, a, I think Stanford's a top 10 team. All right. I just think... It, we've seen this in the past for Stanford's big bodies is the one thing that really gives Oregon pretty bad mm-hmm. trouble, which is why University of Washington as recently was beating Oregon last couple of years right. too is because they started to get those big O-linemen, big D-linemen. Um, you could slow down the quarterback and the athletic defenders, you know, like they could slow down a good quarterback. But Justin Herbert is mm-hmm. apparently great, which why is he not a Heisman candidate, I feel like? Whenever if he beats Stanford this week and puts up big numbers, he'll be a Heisman candidate. Because there's a lot of candidates. Too. Yeah. Tua and Kyle Murray. And the Pac-12 North is stacked. Stanford, UW, Oregon. Cal's 3-0. Wazoo's 3-0. I wouldn't be too concerned about Cal in that division. Me either. To all no, no, but it's still pretty good. Yeah. and Wazoo's Much better than the South. Yeah. I mean, well, and a lot of people in the South, like Arizona has been disappointing. Right. UCLA is 0-3. Yeah, Chip Kelly. He, he's not going to be on the hot seat, but like, no, he needs no. to have like a couple wins by then this year. Yeah, a win would be and good. Arizona State was twenty third and then lost to San Diego State somehow. So it's it was it's kind of up and down side over there. Um, oh, USC breaking news by the way. What? Uh, Jimmy Butler has uh, demanded a trade. Yeah, he's meeting with Thibodeau right now in LA. Is yeah, that what he just demanded a trade. You sure? Uh, according to uh, the bottom line over here on the. Uh, Take your Let's see when I get my Woj thing, but I believe you. That's yep. interesting. Um, well, he's going to be a Laker probably. Yeah, but who would the Lakers give up? I, if I was the Lakers, I wouldn't give up anyone. Give up Josh Hart. Oh, if, if, would they take Josh Hart? But if, I'm not giving up Ingram or, or any Kuzma. of those. Or Kuzma. If, especially if he can come as a free agent after next give season. Give up like two draft picks and Josh Hart. Yeah, if they do that. Wow, that's pretty big news. That is big news. Because I know it, I knew this was going to happen. You know why? Because yesterday... His meeting with Thibodeau was supposed to be in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Last night, I saw a Woj tweet that Jimmy asked him to move it to, to L.A. You know what that tells me more about? It's a couple of things. It tells me that Carl Anthony Towns is not that good. That's uh, one. Well, Carl Anthony Towns is going to demand a trade now. He hasn't signed his rookie extension yeah. waiting on what Jimmy Butler does. But Or that means they just don't like each other. Or they don't like each other either. One. Maybe he's waiting because he'll re-sign it if Jimmy Butler's gone. Yep. Um, so, yeah, told... Uh, Oh, I'm told Jimmy Butler's decision had very little to do with Towns and Wiggins, more to do with contractual matters. Um, yeah, so yeah, he's requesting. There's three teams th- that Lakers. he has requested, and no one, they haven't announced which teams uh, yet. But I'm sure that will like, come up. We'll talk about this tomorrow. Yep. We'll have all day tomorrow. I mean, instead of, uh, we don't have much enough information. Yeah, it just, it happened, just right happened right now. Uh, we'll talk about that tomorrow. But the last game I wanted to talk about before we get going here is USC, Texas. Uh, USC's not very good. No, they're not. And Texas isn't that good either. But, but hopefully they're back. I, I mean, we well, t- they're not back. I know, but like, we hope they can come back. Yeah, but we said about every major program. Everyone wants USC to be good and Texas to be good. But, maybe, able- but maybe Texas is back. Their only losses to a Maryland team that you also – I'm not saying they're back, but we can't just say they're not back. Another yet. one of my random predictions. Yeah, because – All my serious predictions never really work out. It's always like the – I'm telling you, Appalachian State – <laughs> I know, um, but like you're saying, like the Texas thing, Sam. Like they lost to a Maryland team, which you said was a trap game because of you know all the emotional stuff that's going. Maybe that was just a trap game, and Texas is good. We don't know. We'll find but out. They also, be the USC who is now one and two. Yeah, and they probably have a um, their coach should be on the hot seat too. Uh, that's what is Clay Helton fired. He should be. He's not that good, right? Unfortunately, they lost to Stanford and Texas back-to-back, right? And you know right. what's going to be a good telling time? I'm just looking now. They're playing Wazoo mm-hmm. next week. On Friday. Yeah, so that's going to be a good gauging point. Mm-hmm. Like, how good are they? Yeah, and same with Wazoo, too, I guess. I mean, Wazoo hasn't played anyone yet. See, but what would be – Wazoo beating them, would that be more shocking or would it be more shocking that – or, like, what – do you know what I mean? Like, which was more important? Like, oh, Wazoo beat USC? Or is that going to be like, oh, USC's not that good? Or if USC, like, beat no, Wazoo, I are know, they still I, pretty good? I know what you're about to say. No, it would be worse 
for so, USC to lose to, to lose because it's at home too so it's like oh you lost at home to Wazoo like you guys on a Friday night on national TV you're, then you're but if Wazoo out. loses it doesn't necessarily mean like they're like oh you lost to US at USC no big deal okay yeah. I see it. you know you knew what I meant like yeah. which one's more tragic or better at the same time yeah exactly um, alright is that all we got for today that's all we got for today. Well, tomorrow we'll be talking about Browns-Jets game, which I'm actually... Interesting game. A lot of people are like, oh, God, boring game. And let's talk ratings tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Monday Night Football had the worst ratings in history. Right. Uh, which is, surpri- I thought, surprising because I feel like the NFL has been very interesting thus far. This I don't find it surprising because of what people don't understand, which I don't understand why people don't understand this, is that, like... Yeah, sometimes like the Colin Kaepernick situation might not be good for the NFL. Right. It might be great for you personally. Yeah. This is what I think you always uh, always mess up a little bit is what's great for you compared to what's great for the population. That's a good point. You know, like it might not be great for you that, you know, this or that, but it might be good for other people. So the ratings are down. It's pretty bad. We'll talk about Jimmy Butler, which is kind of cool, exciting news. Absolutely. Um, and uh yeah, we'll get all to get to all that tomorrow. Yeah, and uh, last but not least, shout out! To, uh, I always do this every time the NBA steals like a day of news from the NFL. Shout out to the NBA for staying relevant during times that it doesn't need to be relevant. Every day, every day. I literally talk about the NBA every single day. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. Uh, episode four sixty seven is tomorrow, George. Um, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or YouTube at Sant Sports. That's S O N T Sports. Um, you could find us live 10 a.m. Pacific time Wednesday through Friday and Sunday night after football, after the Sunday night game. Uh, you can get us on iTunes or SoundCloud for after the show podcast. Mm-hmm. Also at Son Sports, just type in Son Sports or that being said on iTunes and SoundCloud. Find us on SonShop.com for all your merch, SonSports.com, all that in a bundle. Um, George? Yes, sir. This is Sports on Tap and this is Sports Radio. Redefined. Of course, the Lexus Golden Opportunity sales event is about exceptional offers, but it's also about the luxury of versatility and the freedom of a summer day coming together for you at the perfect moment. Lease the 2019 NX300 all-wheel drive for $369 a month for 36 months with $29.99 to a signing. Experience amazing at your Washington area Lexus dealer. Call 1-800-USA-LEXUS for important lease offer and pricing details. Not all customers will qualify. Offer valid in the Lexus Eastern area only and in September 3rd, 2019. Paid non-attorney spokesperson, Janelle and Associates Law Firm with Principal Office in Houston, Texas is responsible for the content of this ad. Attention all active or retired military. If you are diagnosed with tinnitus or hearing loss after using yellow and black or yellow and olive dual-ended earplugs, you may be entitled to significant cash compensation. These earplugs permitted damaging sounds to enter the ear canal. If you served in the military and were later diagnosed with hearing loss or tinnitus, call 800-871-7344 right now to see if you qualify for significant cash compensation. The manufacturer knew of the defect but did not warn its customers. Complaints alleged that the manufacturer manipulated test results to make it appear that the plugs met government standards. If you deployed to Iraq or Afghanistan anytime from 2003 through 2015 and are now suffering from diagnosed hearing loss or tinnitus, you may be entitled to significant cash compensation. Call 800-871-7344 right now. Hurry, time is limited. Call 800-871-7344 now to see if you qualify for cash compensation. Call 800-871-7344. That's 800-871-7344. 800-871-7344.